Exodus chapter 20. A little bit longer than commands 6, 7, and 8. But not much longer. If it read, Thou shalt not lie, then it would be about the same size or length as the previous three. But in many or most of these commandments, the, the most severe, most serious uh, subject is, is uh, mentioned as a representative of the category or the family of, of truth in each command. In other words, all our moral responsibility is, is not simply um, exhausted in the command. It's suggestive of a whole category of morals, of truths. Like the ninth commandment, we read in chapter 20 and verse 15, the ninth commandment, God. Excuse me, verse 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Is it interesting that two of the Ten Commandments deal with the tongue? Our tongue is an unruly evil. Commandment number three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And now commandment number nine. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Obviously this category is one of truth or of untruth. Category dealing with telling the truth and the negative uh, speaking lies or being deceitful. Lord warns us about the tongue throughout Scripture, doesn't he? The tongue is an unruly evil. It's compared, is it not, to like the helm of a ship and uh, how the tongue can do such damage to others. It's not true, is it? The old child's tale. Sticks and stones. And I remember saying this in... in uh, Arrogance as a child and someone would be mean. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's not true, is it? The Bible says that, that we can slice people, that we can use our tongue like a knife. But like a knife, it can be used for good or for evil. Let's use our, our tongue for good and not for evil. But you notice again that this command is, in, is given in the prohibition form first. And again, for every prohibition there is a corresponding precept. And for every precept there is a corresponding prohibition. We might call this the most devilish of all subjects. Satan is called, remember John 8.44, the father of lies. You know, what a difference it is. Abraham was the father of many nations. The Lord is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have 
fathers of modern medicine or fathers of engineering or fathers of, of, of other discoveries that are so helpful in our day. But can you imagine being called the father, the founder of lies? He spoke the very first lie, did he not? You shall not surely die. Well, you know, there was a half-truth there. Because we read when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't drop dead. They died spiritually first. And they died physically hundreds of years later. But half-truths are even more dangerous, are they not? It is most devilish. It's exactly opposite to the Lord. Over and over again, the Bible calls our God the God of truth or speaks of the truth of God. And Jesus said, I am the epitome of truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. God tells the truth. Sinners tell lies. Can any of us say that we've never lied? We've never deceived? How many lies does it take be called a liar. We would not say, well, I've only murdered once. But lies are hated by God as well as murders. Remember, it says of the, the seven deadly sins, are two of them dealing with the tongue in Proverbs 6, a lying tongue and a false witness. Notice the second of the seven or the seventh, the second of the category of lies, is dealing like this command. Notice that this command is written for the legal system. It doesn't say thou shalt not lie, though every kind of lie is covered in this category. It takes us to the top. Bearing false witness is someone who's giving a legal witness in a courtroom. And the Lord was, was establishing an honest court system in Israel. And that's why it was so severe for a, a witness uh, to be punished if he was a false witness. Like I said earlier, if you were a witness against someone to, for that person to be executed, if you were found to be, to be lying, you were to be executed. And if you were found to be true, then you would have to be the one to throw the first stone. But that's why the Lord said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, not in the mouth of one witness shall every word be established. But it was so serious that, that these stipulations were put upon anyone to be a witness against his neighbor. Satan is the father of lies. You know what Satan's Ten Commandments are? Have as many gods as you want. Worship God as you please. Take the name of God in an obscene way. Sunday is your day. Sunday is sports day, shopping day, fun day. Disregard the old useless people out there. Hate with gusto your neighbor. Race to be more immoral than Wilt Chamberlain was. And he was publicly said, confessed to be a publicly immoral man. Stealing is a great high in your life. 
This is my favorite, the devil would say. Lie like the devil. Lie for God hates it. And number ten, covet until you can carry away that prize that you deserve. Better than the cards you've been dealt with. The devil's a liar and the father of lies. And oh, may God help us to hate, first of all, our own lying, our own lies, our own deceits. When we lie, we are devilish. Deceit is devilish. And again, the, the commandments are so broad, as the psalmist said. Let me read to you again. These are just the, the sins of the Ninth Commandment. The duties of the Ninth Commandment, we deal with the precept. That's why we've been, we've been uh, having two messages per command. If I had one message per command, I'd be preaching about 80 or 90 minutes. And I don't think you guys would go for that. These are the sins of the Ninth Commandment. Listen carefully. Some of these, I, I have to confess, I can't wrap my mind around it. Some of it is because of the Old English. But the sins that are forbidden in the Ninth Commandment, besides the neglect of duties, remember, sin is any want of conformity to the law of God, not just transgression of it. These are that are being named are transgressions of the Ninth Commandment. Prejudicing the truth and the good name of our neighbors as well as our own, especially in public judicature, giving false evidence, suborning false witnesses, wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause, overbearing the truth, passing unjust sentence, calling evil good and good evil, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous and the righteous according to the work of the wicked, Forgery, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just cause, holding our peace when iniquity calleth for either a reproof from ourselves or complaint to others, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously to a wrong end, or perverting it to a wrong meaning, or in doubtful or equivocal expressions to the prejudice of truth or justice, speaking untruth, Lying, slandering, backbiting, detracting, tail-bearing, whispering, scoffing, reviling, rash, harsh, and partial censuring, misconstructing intentions, words, and actions, flattering, vainglorious boasting, thinking or speaking too highly or too meanly of ourselves or others, denying the gifts and graces of God, aggravating smaller faults, hiding, excusing, or extenuating of sins when called to a free confession, unnecessary discovering of infirmities, raising false rumors, receiving and countenancing evil reports, and stopping our ears against just defense, evil suspicion, envying or grieving at the deserved credit of any, endeavoring or desiring to impair it, rejoicing in their disgrace and infamy, scornful contempt, fond admiration, breach or of lawful promises, neglecting such things as are of good report, and practicing or not avoiding ourselves or not hindering what we can in others, such things as procure an ill name. It's about 20 lines. And they would probably confess there are other things that we've missed. 
So who is sufficient for these things? And we, we all have to confess, I trust our guilt. I hope we're not today saying, Lord, they're in need of prayer. She's in need of prayer, but Lord, I'm in need of prayer. As believers, do we embellish our stories? And we like to inflate our own name. Do we deceive people? Do we tell half-truths when we should have told the whole truth? The devil told half-truths. Remember, when he was tempting Jesus, he quoted Scripture. That's the truth. But he twisted it, didn't he? And in a sense, he was telling a half-truth. You won't die. They didn't die physically. But they did die immediately, spiritually. Thy commandment is exceeding broad. And so what can we say about this category of lies? At the top is perjury, swearing or it's lying under oath, the violation of an oath. Literally the commandment reads something like this. Thou shalt not give an answer falsely as a witness. So it's it's dealing with a a court setting in a legal uh, setting to answer deceitfully as a sworn witness. How often have people sworn by the Bible and they're swearing by God? They're 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 uh, they're making an oath with God as witness. In a sense, they're saying, if I don't tell the truth, may God strike me down. And isn't hasn't God been so merciful and long suffering? He doesn't strike down immediately the person who swears on who lies under oath people think that they're they're better than god when they say okay if there's a god in heaven uh remember what they did in 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 russia these atheists would say to the school children uh let's see if there's a real god in heaven if god is real he's going to drop down candy right now on your desks and they waited and waited and no candy was dropped on the desk. Does that mean there's no God? It's like the person saying, may God strike me dead if there's a God in heaven or I haven't been struck dead. That's like a featherweight with a heavyweight in the, in the, in the uh, ring saying, come on, go ahead, go ahead. And, the, and the, the heavyweight knows all it takes is just one punch and it's over with. And he's merciful to the featherweight. No one doubts that the, the heavyweight exists. He's right there. God is so merciful, isn't He? How people threaten or, or, or how they'll challenge God. And God is, is wiser than that. He has all the time in the world. And many of those who've challenged God, He has converted to Himself, hasn't He? Can you remember as a child we had a we had a birdhouse that was on a pole that was about twenty five feet in the air. And it was a birdhouse on top. We never filled it because we couldn't get to it. I never did ask my parents why is there a birdhouse up there? Uh, and so, but one day in a lightning storm, I went out near that birdhouse and I dared God to strike me with lightning. What a fool! And yet God, in His long-suffering love, said, you don't know if you only knew. I'm, I'm going to save you one day. 
And we're just a lightning bolt from heaven. Those three people standing outside the White House a couple weeks ago just minding their own business and on comes a, a lightning and rainstorm and they're in eternity. Who would have ever guessed? Jesus, or, or Proverbs says, a false witness is, that speaks lies is hated by the Lord. And chapter 14 and verse 5 compared to a faithful witness in court. Proverbs says that a false witness is damned. He shall not be unpunished, chapter 19 and verse 5, and he'll perish, chapter 21 and verse 28. But a true witness delivers souls, Proverbs 14. That is, not, is it not referring to our Lord Jesus? He was the, he's the prophet and the priest and the king. He's the prophet that came to deliver souls. Did God intend to, to damn, to, to uh, cause every sinner to perish? But God, as, as our confession, or as our catechism says, God, having from all eternity elected some to everlasting life, sought to deliver those from sin and misery and to bring in salvation by a Redeemer. But this is a message for you and me. We're to be true witnesses to people about their need of Christ. And to point them to Jesus. That the truth is, and I say this is God is my witness. The truth is, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The truth is, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The truth is that works righteousness is a way that leads to death. And judgment, despite what the clergy are, are deceiving people from their pulpits today. The Bible spares no punches about lying. Lying is devilish. He's the father of lies. Who told the truth? God or the devil? When the devil said, you shall not die, and the Lord says, you shall die. Not only is there a hell with souls in it today, there are cemeteries with bodies below the graves today. How wise it was for the early churches to have graveyards surrounding their buildings to remind us that we're going to be over there someday. Our bodies are going to be buried someday. That we need to be ready to meet the Lord. That the devil's a liar that Adam and Eve did die physically. Thank God for the Gospel that reached them in their souls. Our pride, like the pride of the devil, God hates a proud look and a lying tongue. Notice how they go together. A proud look and a lying tongue. Pride embellishes our stories, makes us look better than our neighbors inflates our worth. We're sinners saved by grace, aren't we? We, des we are undeserving of God's mercy. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, but God gives grace to the humble. And that's why He gives us afflictions to humble our pride, to teach us the, the value of humility. Jesus 
did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Let us remember as we're tempted to lie and embellish our stories or deceive someone, it will be a devilish act, a devilish word that we speak if we lie. Lying, secondly, is ungodly. It's the reverse of our God of truth who's without iniquity. Jesus is the truth incarnate. The law of God leans heavily upon liars and perjured persons, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Lying is contrary to sound doctrine. Jesus told us, and it's one of the comforting verses that I feel anyway. In John 14, He said that He's the way, the truth, and the life. And then He went on to say, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself. And He says in John 14 also, if it were not so, I would have told you. you know, that hit me just recently. And Jesus is saying, look, I've told you the truth. If it wasn't true that you're, you have hope of eternal life or that you have, if it's not true that you have a place prepared in heaven, or if it's not true that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I would have told you that. And so anyone that believes there's any other way to heaven is believing the lie of the devil. It's the devil that says, there are many ways to heaven. There are many roads to Rome. It's not only through Christ that you have the hope of eternal life. Your good works are sufficient. Aren't you insulted that God would tell you that your works are filthy rags before God? The Bible tells us we're to put away lying. Ephesians 4, that lie not one to another. You've put off the old man. Now put on the new man, which is obviously giving us not only the prohibition, but the precept. Lying is devilish. Lying is ungodly. May the Lord help us to hold our tongues. And when we flap our tongues that we speak the truth to our neighbor, to our God. How often have we flattered God? Talk about flattery. It's not just flattering one another. How we flatter God. Lord, I'll do this and I'll do that if you do this for me. Lord, you're a holy God and then I'm living an unholy life. Thirdly, lying is hateful. The Bible tells us that the motivation for keeping this commandment is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, if I lie to my neighbor, it's a form of hatred. It's like someone said, you might as well just slap me in the face to lie to me. Lying is meant to deceive, to disrespect. The Bible says a talebearer, which is a form of lying, causes strife in the family. Lying is a form of hatred. It's mean-spirited. It's disregarding of the, of the soul of our neighbor. And our neighbor is not just someone that's next to us, but someone that we interact with or someone that we, even from a distance, speak to. It's someone that is there in, at the moment. 
in the matter that we're dealing with. Lying is hateful. Lying is hurtful. Think about divorce, how it has destroyed marriages. Lying vows. We vowed till death do us part. Broken promises. Misleading information. Breaking friendships. Perjury not only kills reputations, it kills people. People have been put to death because there have been lying witnesses saying, I saw her or I saw him murder. How many people have been put behind bars for years because of false witnesses? Listen to what the proverb says about lying. A lying witness is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. And it goes along with, you might as well slap me in the face. Each one of those instruments deals with distance. The first one, short distance. The second one, mid-distance. And the third one, long distance. A lie is a maul. A maul was a war club. and you, It was hand-to-hand comment. Gruesome. Just like we know from the Civil War, for instance. And, but someone that, someone that lies is taking a maul to our heads. A false witness is a sword. That's the mid-range. A sword that could be basically a knife that could be, could be thrown at a distance or a little longer. A long sword or, or what we would say is on the end of a musket. And then the arrow. A, a lying person is one who has the arrows of death from a long distance. Later on, it says of, of liars, liars are madmen that, that cast firebrands, arrows, and death. Firebrands were things that were, that were set on fire and, and cast at, at people or over the walls. It can cause a whole city to burn down, a whole family to be, to be uh, incinerated. The Bible tells us that a liar makes light of lies or dismisses them. But it says literally, a talebearer wounds deeply, goes down to the depths of the soul. You feel like you've been stabbed if you've been lied to, deceived. Brother and sister, if we confessed our sins unto God and to those that we've deceived and misled, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee. But if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If we haven't confessed our lies and deception and we try to pray, God won't hear us. We need to confess our sin. We might say, well, you know, I confess to God, but there are sins we need to confess to each other. To others, not to just God. To others that we've smitten with a maul sword and with sharp arrows. The Bible says that lying will damn a soul. All those lists that speak about people that will not inherit the kingdom of God and people that will have their place in the lake of fire. The last couple chapters of Revelation make it clear. Last but not least, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Chapter 21 and verse 8. Chapter 21 and verse 27. And and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that 
maketh a lie. Chapter 22, verse 15, almost the last verse of the Bible. Without, outside the city of God are dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, and last but not least again, and whatsoever loveth and maketh a lie. Lying is damnable. And again, look at all the ways we can lie, flatter people, speak tales. The Bible says in, in Leviticus, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. How it describes a talebearer. He he's not content to tell one person. It's back and forth, going up and down, telling juicy stories about someone, even if it's a truth. Talebearing doesn't have to be spreading false language, false information. But again, we take even something of truth. How often have we, have we couched it in, this person really needs prayer. This is what she did. Or this is what he did. Or this is what he said. We take it to the Lord or we take it up again. We don't take negative information out. We take it up to the Lord. We take it up to mom and dad if it's something in the family that needs that is threatening the family. We take it up to the elders if, if the church is, is threatened by the sin. And so there's so many ways. Flattering and embellishing stories and tail-bearing, slandering, slicing people to, to lift up ourselves. I know this is not a pleasant, a pleasant thought, but it's so important for us as the Lord has given us a whole commandment on this subject, for us to let it sink in. It's not just the unsaved that lie. Lies are in the churches. Lies are in homes. Lies are in marriages. Lies are in Christian friendships. We're to have iron sharpening iron, not swords slicing one another in our relationships. We're to tell the truth as God is a God of truth. But thank God, lying is forgivable. Jesus died for all of our sins. And why do you think Jesus was punched and slapped? Think about that particular way in which He was tortured. That way that He suffered. That He died... He died with a, a puffed up lip. He died with bruises. No broken bones. Why do you think he was punched and slapped? He died for liars. We lie with our mouths. We lie with our tongues. We lie with our eyes. We lie with our pens. We lie with our computers, don't we? We lie with our... What is it? Our keyboards. Thank God lying is forgivable. David deceived Uriah. The Lord forgave him. Manasseh had over 40 years of deceiving the people and 
one of the most is one of the surprises of reading the Old Testament. You never expect Manasseh to be saved. Ninety-nine percent of people that have the kind of life that King Manasseh had perish. But all of a sudden, the Lord used the Babylonians, and from what we could tell from or the the, uh, the uh, Assyrians, the Assyrians. There's a museum in in England that gives us um, cuneiform visions or or pictures of how the Assyrians were cruel to their captors, to those who were captive. They would put hooks in the nose of their prisoners and they would drag them with chains into their cities. And it's very likely that Manasseh was, had a hook in his nose when he was taken into Babylon. And the Bible says God used that to humble his pride and he repented of his sins. But because of all those years of wickedness, he could not stop the people from their, their idolatry. It's, it's, you know, we so often... Be, because of our life of lying, we find out that maybe not all of our children or grandchildren recover from following dad or grandfather. Our cry is, Lord, save our children. Don't let them continue. But in Manasseh's case, it's interesting, after he's converted and he tries to reverse everything, he does away with the, with the, the uh, burning of children. He does away with, with the uh, idols. But the people just keep bringing them back and bringing them back and bringing them back. And he dies. All those years he taught the people the the rhythm of idolatry and he couldn't stop it even after he was converted. And our prayer is, Lord, please stop the momentum of my bad example that our children and grandchildren are following. If we've been lying parents and lying grandparents... Oh, may God forgive us and may we plead with our children, grandchildren, and those we've affected negatively. God has forgiven me of my deceit. And I intend to tell the truth. Please, don't provoke the Lord by lying. Peter lied about his Lord. And he forgave Peter. Well, how Aaron couched a lie, didn't he? What did you do to the people, Aaron, that you would have them worship a calf? And what was his excuse? What did he say? I just took all of their gold and silver and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. I mean, what a liar. It doesn't just come out. It's, you know, this... This building here, you know how it, it, it sits here? There was a huge tornado in, in, the, in the 1800s. And this used to be a, a big junkyard and out came this building. And Aaron was forgiven. God forgives liars. God forgives us of lying. May, help, may God help us. To see, not only does He forgive us, and we anticipate next week, lying is reversible. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So, again, we anticipate the precept, but 
Now we speak the truth because God commands us and back of His commandment is His omnipotence. He can help us to reverse our deceitful ways. And the virtue of truthfulness is made definite by regeneration. He says, for we are members one of another. By being saved, liars become truth-tellers. And notice the motivation too. We want to be truth-tellers because we're members one of another. The idea there is we want to, we're in covenant with each other. We're in covenant that we're going to tell the truth to each other. That we're going to speak kindly to each other. That we'll be faithful to each other. And so covenant membership is a huge motivation to being truthful people, just like in marriage. Why tell the truth at all times? Because God says so. Because I'm God's child. Because I'm under oath as a church member to be holy, to be righteous, to be truthful. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor in the category of all kinds of lies. God help us to be a people that tell the truth no matter what. Though the stars fall, tell the truth. Though it costs your life, tell the truth. Let's be a people of character, a people of integrity. Honesty is the best policy. It's biblical. It's true. Honesty is godliness. I don't want to be in league with the devil. I don't want to be the devil's brother-in-law. I want to be... I want to be representative of the Lord, the God of truth. May God forgive us of our lies and deception. May God help us, teach us, lead us, strengthen us, mold us to be like Jesus. Truth tellers, witnesses of the truth, pointing people to the Lord Jesus.